and it takes place in 19, in the early 1960s, uh, 1961 to be exact, in, in Georgia. It allows audience members to get really up close in moments that they would never be allowed to get up close in. It's a birthday party for a woman who's turning 40. Everyone's just doing things they've never done before. Secrets start to spill out. The learning curve has been massive. <laughs> and everything that could possibly go wrong goes wrong. It's hard to lay that out. They're having an affair and she just had an abortion and he just stole the money. <laughs> it turns into a big whirlwind of disaster. And then we had to expand on it uh, in every direction. Everyone's just doing things they've never done before and, and pushing limits and, and borders and um, dreaming bigger than ever before. Hi, I'm Nathaniel Skye, the host of the Immersion Nation podcast. Here, the masters of immersive experience create and conjure, muse and imagine the cultural revolution that is unfolding before us. That is immersive entertainment. Welcome. Our guest today is boldly forging a new path in the world of immersion the artistic director of Windy City Playhouse in Chicago, the only theater company producing long-running immersive theater works in Chicago at this point in time. We discuss what it's like to be a fly on the wall in emotionally intimate and intense moments. We talk about producing a show based in Georgia in 1961. And of course, the challenges and adventure of being first. I give you... Amy Rubenstein of Windy City Playhouse. Amy, welcome to the show. Thank you. So good to be here. Thanks for having me. Yeah, thanks for coming on. Um, so just to jump right in, if you could, you could live in any fictional world um, for a lifetime, an afternoon or a day, what have you, what fictional world would you choose? I, I think I would have to uh, say the movie avatar i thought that world was so beautiful and, and um i just think it looks like that would be a fun world to play in the movie avatar yeah that would be really really incredible plus the idea of just kind of mm -hmm. having a having a second life so to speak the the whole avatar totally. in and of itself that concept i think would be incredible plus the world itself was just oh man yeah yeah yeah. So we will we will wrap back around to that for sure. But for those uh, those listening who don't necessarily know what Southern Gothic is or about the uh, well, let's just start with Southern Gothic. Could you explain just in short kind of what Southern Gothic is? Sure. Uh, so Southern Gothic, the, the it's based around a storyline where it's a birthday party for a woman who's turning 40 and it takes place in 19 in the early 1960s, uh, 1961 to be exact in, in Georgia. And eight friends are coming together for this uh, seemingly fun birthday party. It starts out like a great party. And then all of a sudden the secret secrets start to spill out and, and it turns into a big whirlwind of disaster <laughs> and everything that could possibly go wrong goes wrong. And what happens as an audience member is you're invited into this world. So when you walk into the theater, you see the house and we've actually built a house inside of the theater and you wander through this house at your at your own free will. So the show goes on all around. It happens in real time. So the birthday party starts and guests start arriving 
thing. And there could be, um, there are characters that are on the front porch or on the back porch or in the kitchen, in the dining room, in the living room, in the bathroom. And a lot of spaces, multiple spaces are activated at any given time. So you as an audience member sort of choose the storyline that you want to follow. But we've made sure that the overall art of the story uh, is caught from any room. So you'll understand what's going on from any place that you are, but you'll get different subplots depending on where you're at. So it is very much a plot driven story, but you have agency to go uh, wherever you want to follow the character that you find most exciting to leave one room and go to another when you see something else happening that excites you or you, you want to change. Uh, you're also welcome to eat the food that the that the characters are eating and you're also served drinks as well as this goes on. Um, so it's very immersive, <laughs> uh, but it's it's also there's no improvisation in this. Um, it is it is a fully scripted play and uh, and, and very, very plot oriented. And am I correct? Does that in, sort of sum it up for you? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Am I correct in saying that it was not originally written as an immersive show? Well, there was a play that was written um, that was uh, that Leslie Leotode, the playwright, she she wrote this play, and um, this Southern Gothic was based off of that play, and that was written as a uh, proscenium show, just a regular a regular play. Definitely. And then uh, we took that play and then we had to expand on it uh, in every direction. Because if you think about it, if you're watching a play, uh, you know, a, a regular length play and you're watching it from five different rooms, the length of the script has to be that much longer. So it, it grew, I would say, probably four times the size of what it originally was. So added plot lines, added um it changed characters around, but the general premise of what the story was about is generally the same. Yeah. Um, and okay. So at this point we've had quite a few different artistic directors on the show, but I realized as or in the course of uh, prepping for our chat that I've never actually had anyone really define that for those who might not know specifically. So as an artistic director, could you explain, um, just kind of in a little bit more depth, like what your role is. Sure. Absolutely. I, I think my role as an artistic director when doing immersive theater is very different than when not doing immersive theater. I think I act as, um, experience designer or, or immersion designer in many ways. I mean, generally the artistic director is the person who will choose the scripts that are, uh, being performed in that theater. So they'll choose the, the plays. They'll hire the directors, designers, collaborate with the directors on, on casting um, and oversee the overall vision of, of the theater. Uh, when it's immersive work, for me, it's been a lot more involved uh, from an artistic standpoint. Um, Southern Gothic was, our goal at, at our theater is to get the audience as up close and personal with the art as possible. And we've taken a turn to have pretty much everything we do now have a major immersive component to it. And so I'll take a piece and then envision how that can be immersive. 
or we'll create something brand new. Before Southern Gothic, we were always trying to stage in immersive ways, but we couldn't quite figure out where our immersive niche was and how we fit into this picture as Windy City Playhouse. And I knew, I vaguely knew where we were headed, but it took a while for me to define it and be able to really pinpoint what we wanted to do. And then that sort of culminated with black and when I really understood, oh, this is what we do. Um, and then uh, now we have, I, I want to say five or six pieces in the works that are all immersive in very different ways. Um, but it'll be my job to figure out what is the audience experience and how do we make this play immersive or do we have to create it to come up with what we're doing? Um, and so for Southern Gothic, it was me reading this play and saying, I, I knew what, what I wanted. I knew the concept of Southern Gothic, but I didn't know what story I would. And then when I read that story, it, 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 it clicked for me and I, I figured out how to, how to put it together and then worked. I worked myself with um, the playwright, Leslie, and with Carl, who was a co-creator. Carl Menninger was a co-creator on the project. And the three of us then took the script and um, dissected it and then added to it and created this, this world. And then we added in the director, David Bell, who then um, helped us put it on its feet. And, and uh, it was, I think the most collaborative piece of art I've ever worked on in my life. Um, certainly the most fulfilling piece up to, to that point. Um, but it was, and when you start working on immersive pieces, it's so massive. It's not just because you're not contained at all. Your world is, is 360 degrees. And um, so it, it, it takes this insane amount of collaboration everyone's just doing things they've never done before and, and pushing limits and, and borders and um, dreaming bigger than ever before and so um, so I get to kind of help conduct that that's amazing um, and am I correct in saying that you guys are the only ones doing a long run um, long run site specific immersive theater in Chicago right now correct I, I think so. You know, you get, you get shows like, um, well, you know, there was Tony and Tina's wedding, uh, which is obviously very, very, very different from, from what we're doing, but they ran a while. Um, I don't know if they're still open or not, but you get something like that or, um, you know, th there's, there's things that come up here and there that are, that are different, but, um, you know, may, maybe could be considered uh, you know, a piece of immersive theater, but I, I, I don't know of any theaters running shows quite this long. I know, um, do you remember the place Year madness that ran for years and years, maybe decades in many different cities. Okay. Um, it was, it was a, but it was, it's more of a, like, uh, you know, people voted on what the ending is going to be like that kind of thing. You know, it was still sort of proscenium, but people would vote, stuff like that. Um, there's some pieces like that, but no, I think, I think this is, this is unique in itself as to, you know, running a piece running this long and uh, being immersive. And so I think your perspective is really unique um, because you, Windy City Playhouse does proscenium and non-proscenium shows. Um, and so what, what kind of was like the thing that you had the most fun with, um, like, learning slash doing in the capacity of 
you know, working with Southern Gothic as kind of the first immersive out of the gate for Windy City? Uh, so, you know, we always, we, we try to avoid, I think we're on our 13th show right now. We try to avoid any form of proscenium, proscenium per se, like meaning the audience is on one side and the actors are on another. We try to avoid that. So we've been quite unique as far as our staging where we'll have something like, you know, we'll have a show that our, our, our traditional seats that we have at Windy City Playhouse, when we do have seats in the theater, um, are swivel chairs. And so what we would do from right off the bat when we opened is have multiple stages throughout. And so sometimes you're in a seat, you could totally have to swivel your chair 180 degrees. Now you're in the back row. And so we'd have that kind of stuff going on. But more where audiences, it are seated. And that is what we started to move away from, um, where audiences are, are sort of put in a place. Um, there was so much, oh my God, the learning curve has been massive and, and I don't see it ending anytime soon because <laughs> as we pick new pieces, I mean, right now we're opening our uh, recommendation, the recommendation, um, and it is also equally immersive as our Gothic, but in a completely different way. Uh, and we're working on, you know, like five other pieces after that that are all also unique, immersive, equally immersive, but unique in their own ways. And so the learning curve has just been massive on this. There's so, so much that we did not know. Um, and so many challenges. Uh, I say some of the things that we feel like we're getting a better handle on is, um, the experience of the actor and how um, how does an actor sustain such an intense piece for such long periods of time that that's been interesting because typically an actor in a long run, you know, they're they're on and off stage or at least they turn their back to their audience and they have, you know, a moment to themselves. And and. Um, there's no escaping in Southern Gothic. I mean, you are inches away from the audience in every direction and uh, they have to just have to focus because in Southern Gothic, the audience is invisible. So different than some other immersive pieces also where an, an audience may play a role. The role that our audience plays in Southern Gothic is um, an invisible, an invisible guest or a fly on the wall, a go in the room. And so what that allows for is it allows audience members to be voyeurs. It allows audience members to get really up close in moments that they would never be allowed to get up close in. Um, it, it's that, you know, you have that, um, everyone's had those moments where they say, oh, I wish I was a fly on the wall in that room, right? Well, this is <laughs> this is every room. And and we, you know, we pick the, the moments that are, are super high stakes moments. And then allow the audiences to have that up close feel. And so the actors are going through these high stake moments. You know, you can't, these are the highest stakes you can have as an actor. And then there's an audience member, you know, chomping on some potato chips inches away from their face as their husband finds out that they've been having an affair with the man in the next room. You know, that's crazy. And how do you keep that focus? And one of, you know, there was so much that we learned from the actors on this, so much that we didn't do right. And then things that we learned and things that we're correcting. And um, it, that I think has been the biggest learning curve is, is something, something we didn't take into consideration when we originally started is what kind of effect are the audiences going to have on the actors? And we were so focused on the audience. 
we yeah. didn't say and we learned. <laughs> we learned the hard way. It really um, is kind of an infinite learning curve. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It, it's But there's been tons of stuff like that. You know, we learned that as we produce new works, you know, when we're when we're designing, like we opened recommendation and we realized, well, you know, we actually didn't think about what happens when the audience looks in that corner or what happens when the audience looks straight up. And, you know, there's all these different things that, you know, design elements that have been new. And um, uh, but but most of it's been the relationship between the audience and the actor that has been the the mo- the biggest learning curve. Yeah, yeah, I bet. I mean, that that's a dynamic that is just completely uncharted territory in a lot of ways. I mean, there are a lot of mm-hmm. I mean, there there's shows in New York, there's shows in L.A. and there's more and more immersion cropping up everywhere, certainly. But at the same time, it's not like there's any finite playbook that is out there at this point in time. Right. And we're also different. You know, all the theaters right now are so very different because we are all new. And so in a way, we're all dreaming up our own things. And yeah, we, you know, we learn from each other. You know, I go ever to see immersive theater, um, as do many other people who create immersive theater. And so we all learn from each other, but we're all, we are all um, embarking in uncharters. And, you know, I, I, there was a book, you know, I did get to read one book on immersive theater, but it's not, there's no, everyone's so unique. Everyone's story is so unique and everyone's methods are so unique. And then you're also working with artists who've never done it. So you, you have most, you, there are a lot of artists that have dabbed with something in college. Um, but on a professional level, it's very different. And, uh, so we're dealing with actors who've never done immersive works, designers who've never done immersive works, um, directors who've never done immersive works, and trying to get everybody to breathe the same air and live in the same world and to have the same visions when there's it's hard to lay that out. So it, it, there's a lot. It, you, that's why I think collaboration in these kinds of things is more important than any other theater because we don't all know what we're doing. And so we have to figure it all out at the same time together. And if you don't, if you're not all in sync, that can be a problem. It's not, it's not um, the kind of piece where the director runs the show on their own, where you can get away with that in, in other types of works. Um, This is, this is uh, everyone's got to be 120% on their game and, and everybody has to be willing to say yes to everybody else's ideas. <laughs> so it's, it's, it's tough. Yeah. It's a uh, yes. And even behind the scenes. Um, yeah, absolutely. So um, I think potentially now might be a decent time to shift gears briefly. Um, if you'd be willing to jump into the make it immersive segment. Great. So if, if you had complete, complete options, no limitations whatsoever to make an avatar immersive or avatar an immersive show, what, what would kind of be the first steps you would take there? How would you go about doing that? Um, it, oh my God, it'd be so fun to work without a budget. <laughs> I, cause it, you know, the dreaming is the fun part, right? It, to come back to reality with your budgets, but, um, 
I guess I would start by finding the biggest space I could find, you know, the tallest ceilings and the biggest space. Um, you can create a world um, in a blank space or you could take on a space that already exists. I think it's easier to create a world in a blank space because it's it, then you're you're not dealing with any given circumstances. Um, and so I would, you know, oh God, <laughs> it would be so exciting. <laughs> um, I would make sure that uh, you can definitely hit all senses, um, you know, all all five senses, or actually I think there's, there's more senses <laughs> to hit all of those. Um, I would make sure that, that you're not limited in the number of actors, so you really active um, many more spaces than just at a time, you know, really activate um, spaces all over the place and really allow um, the wandering of, of audiences, allow audiences to get lost in a world. But I really love making sure that things are plot based. I mean, that to me is um, I, I all of the all of the immersive theater that I envision is plot based. I haven't quite um, it, that that's how it's been for for us. So it's it's all uh, like that. And so then you have to figure out, OK, so how do you keep it plot based, but then scale it up large because you want this world of Avatar. So you want that. You want to make sure you have that that whole forest or at least a feeling of this forest, right? So it's got to be big enough, but then you've got to keep your plot going. So how do you keep your plot going when people start to spread? Um, so you definitely have to have enough actors so that you can carry out what's going on in, in multiple places. And... <laughs> oh my god we should do this <laughs> uh, it would be way too cool but I, I guess i guess i guess it starts I, I guess it would start with a for me it starts with the plot what's what's the plot um and and then and what's your what's your world look like and what's your plot look like and then i start spilling out how does it spill out into the different spaces and how do you activate it all but that would be so fun <laughs> yeah that would be incredible I can't even imagine like the yeah. the nuts and bolts behind assembling that world in the first place, um, creating oh, an indoor or an outdoor space <laughs> inside, large mm -hmm. enough to get lost mm -hmm. in. <laughs> yeah. Yep. I'm wondering too, yep. like how one would like even incorporate the avatar, like the kind of key pivotal avatar component. Um, it's like realistically, could you even, or would you have like one actor that is, you know the the avatar and then one actor that is the the person who is ostensibly you know embodying that avatar <laughs> really I, I think with no limits you want your your audience members to be able to step into that place um you know i always i always when i talk about uh immersive theater i i always say one of the reasons that i wanted to create immersive theater was because I, I am an actor. That's how I came into theater as an actor. And I always thought the most exciting thing about being an actor is being able to step into someone else's life and live in someone else's life for a little while. And, um, which is very much avatar. Right. And so I thought, and, and I love making audiences feel things. I thought, how do you, how do you give the audience the gift of that feeling of stepping into someone else's world without making them do all the work of becoming an actor? <laughs> and, you know, how do we make that possible? And so at first when I started creating, it was about getting them closer, getting them closer, getting them closer. But then 
it wasn't, it wasn't quite enough. And I found, I found, um, that when you actually put them inside of the story, that it is so much easier to make them feel things that it would be hard for me to go back to not having an audience inside. And so that's why it makes me think, Oh, well, they have to be, they have to be that person. On the other hand, also are of the belief at this point where we don't want to put any pressure on people. We don't want audiences to have any, any pressure or feel like people are scared when they hear the word immersive theater. People don't really know what that, what that means exactly because it means many different things. Um, but people get scared that they're going to be called upon and asked to do something. Um, and it, it, I feel the same way when I go to see a, a, a play, I don't, I don't want the spotlight on me. It makes me uncomfortable. If I don't have a script, then I'm lost. I don't, I don't want anyone to call me and ask me to do something to make people laugh or to ask people to, you know, to have people watch me. I, I don't like that. And um, a lot of people, when we talk about immersive theater, a lot of people say to us, well, are they, I, I know I don't want, I don't want to do that. I don't want to participate like that because they, they're really expecting this, um, that they're going to be called upon to do something. And so we do try to we try to put zero pressure on our audience so that they don't have that, you know, in Southern Gothic, they're invisible. Um, and so I have to, you know, in, in trying to figure out how would you do Avatar, it would be like, well, how do you allow them to be that person, but at the same time have no pressure on coming up with anything? So that would be, I guess, the challenge. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that is a really tricky dynamic. And to be completely mm -hmm. honest, I often forget how tentative audiences can be coming into immersive theater mm -hmm. because, mm -hmm. you, I mean, you spend enough time in the world and you're like, oh, yeah, the more agency, the better, the, you know, the closer, the better. And then you realize yes. that so many people haven't even necessarily experienced immersive theater. Like, oh, yeah, that's right. Just the idea right. of being inside of a set can be jarring, let alone actually interacting right. in some way. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And we actually at our theater, we really specialize in attracting people who actually don't ever go to the theater at all. So now you've got, you know, you're <laughs> not only are they not used to immersive theater, but they're just not used to theater. Um, I would say, uh, I mean, I would I would guess 30. 30, 40% of our audience just doesn't go to the theater at all. And so we have people that don't even know how to behave in that way, which, which I think is incredibly exciting. I mean, we, we made ourselves that way on, on purpose. You know, we want to bring new people to the arts. And so, um, we don't want to, we want the people who love theater as well, but we also want people who don't think they love theater. You know, I think nowadays we're used to, um, stimulation from so many different directions that it's hard to get new people to fall in love with theater. And so I think it's actually easier to get new people to come to immersive theater because you have an event, it's an experience, it's more social. And so you're not competing with Netflix. You know, it's, it's a different thing. It's a totally different thing. Um, for those of us who love theater, you know, I, I love theater. I would go see anything. So, you know, it's not, it's the, but there are so many people who won't go to theater. And so, I find that it's easier to get them to come out to something that is immersive, something like Southern Gothic, than trying to get them to come to see a play in a more traditional space. So content wise, um, inside of Southern Gothic, it really is an emotionally dynamic show. I mean, there's everything from racial mm -hmm. prejudice to like marital struggles to like political corruption, like all inside of this space. It's like a very energetically charged <laughs> environment, which is a is amazing watching those layers peel back and everything kind of 
unfold um, as the show goes on. But I'm curious, mm-hmm. is there any particular kind of takeaway or what, like, what are you trying to give the audience experience wise? Like, is there a key takeaway or is there a why or something along those lines? Yeah, with Southern Gothic, the goal was to get them to get the audiences inside of the most intense emotional moments that we could create. Um, We wanted to it was really about getting them to have that um, that chance to fly on the wall in moments in the most private moments of people's lives where you would never get inside of and um, and to watch that. So that was really, I think, where storylines came up um and, or where we enhanced those storylines or where we added to is to say okay what are these most intense moments that could that could come up and um and how do we how uh, you know how can we give the audience these incredibly um personal and intimate moments that they'll never get to see uh elsewhere in this kind of way and so we went for the, <laughs> the highest stakes moments we could. We're like, and they're having an affair and she just had an abortion and he just stole the money. And, <laughs> you know, we're just like coming up with all these things. And and also you have to think the, the other thing was, is we we're, you know, because we were trying to allow audiences to to wander and, and be free. We didn't want there to be one space that was better than another or let's say you know we didn't want it to be like oh well you missed the dining room oh well then you just missed the story <laughs> you know it's like no that the porch had to be equally as important as the dining room well if in the dining room the man just found out that his wife is having an affair with his best friend then what the heck are you gonna do on the porch to top that <laughs> you know so it was like i guess he has to steal his best friend's money <laughs> you know like what it so we had to make these equally huge um moments all over the place and so it was like us trying to strive to find all right well we have that moment we got to make sure that that is in all these places in different forms and so it was really coming up with just the most emotionally charged moments could we could come up with so that nobody felt like they missed out when they talked to their friends you know so they're not like i can't believe i missed that no well you missed this but i got that and everybody thinks that they've the best moment in the play and so that's that's really exciting too is they're like everyone's sharing with their with their friends what they found but you gotta gotta come back three four or five times If, if even that, because it's like you go through and, you know, you go through three, four five times. I would still want to come back just to take another look at the first scene and be like, OK, so now mm-hmm. that I have that perspective. I Exactly. And like yeah. with the stacking of, you know, emotionally intense and visceral moments, it's like you would think you would cap out at some point in time. But you you really didn't. It's like Southern Gothic, like in how you guys did it, you go with this, you know, the unfolding and the revealing and that progression, and then it like gets more intense and louder and louder. And then it gets quiet, which is arguably almost more powerful and mm-hmm. using that dynamic to make sure that you guys don't, you know, hit, hit some kind of wall at any point. Ah, ah, it was, it was really, really excellent. That's a really, really excellent show. Um, Thank you. So, uh, one dynamic that I thought was, particularly fascinating was that I feel like a lot of immersive creators 
um, tend to, while tend to go kind of away from the real world. Um, Mm -hmm. like there's a lot of pushing away from, from reality into, you know, playing with different realities and shifted, Mm -hmm. shifted perspectives and, you know, and going so far as being completely just in a different, a different dimension, you know, speaking to Meow Wolf, for instance. And yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I don't see too many shows actually grounding in something that could ostensibly call be called, you know, historical fiction. Um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Was was the choice to go with something that was grounded in reality um, intentional or was it something that just kind of organically happened and made sense for the context of the of the production? Yeah, it was intentional. Um, it was very intentional because when we when we opened the theater, we decided we want to be a theater that is incredibly um, approachable and relatable and we don't want to alienate anyone and we want to attract people that don't go to the theater and 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 we tried to figure out why don't they go to the theater and um one of the things one of the tools that we thought would be helpful for us is to keeping things very linear and very realistic and the reason we thought that is because um, we didn't want to give people a, a reason to be able to, um, disconnect. So we thought if we keep it as realistic as possible, and if we keep it linear, there are less chances that they're going to leave us in their brains, in their heads. And, um, and not that to say that you can't do it other ways. I mean, I just told you I wanted to create avatar, right? So it's not <laughs> like, it's not like it can't be done in other ways. And it's not like it wouldn't be brilliant in other ways. We just thought that it would be easiest for us to connect to people emotionally. If we did it this way, um, just not to give them any, anything to break their focus from us or anything to take them out of the world. And we thought if we put them in a world that they, understand and are familiar with um that we're gonna have an easier time with that and so it was very it was very conscious and we also because of what we were going for you know we wanted to make sure that people felt like they were stepping in as a ghost into someone else's world we wanted to make sure that that world felt really real to them um and if you create a magical world that's super exciting and fun but it accomplishes a different a different goal yeah yeah most certainly i mean it really does feel like a win i would say a window into the past but it, it's like you're climbing mm-hmm. through a window into the past yeah and yeah the space. time travel right you're 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 time traveling into someone else's world so you get both that step back in time to 1961, um, but you also get your, it feels like you're in, in someone's house. Like you just got transported into their house and they can't see you. It's bizarre. It's a weird, you know, weird feeling for people to have. And, um, you know, we didn't want people to look up and, and see theatrical lights. You know, we didn't want anything like that to take them out. And so, you know, there is a ceiling throughout the house. Um, the where we couldn't fulfill all of that is when you step outside. And, I, you know, I like the exteriors that we've created, but that's where the budget 
really, you know, I was like, oh, I want to have such a bigger budget because I really wanted those exteriors to be to be more real. Your interiors there are, are incredibly real. Um, but when you step outside there, you, you do hit the limit of the world. And I hate hitting the limit of the world. I want it to go on and on. <laughs> um, so, you know, Southern Gothic with a bigger budget would have um, more elaborate exteriors. <laughs> So you mentioned earlier that one of the big reasons that you love acting is um, is the chance to step into somebody else's shoes, somebody else's mm -hmm. life, a different world, a different reality, what have you. I'm curious in that right. Um, what do you see as the value of play? Or potentially playing? <laughs> I think. um I think it's the best way for us to learn. And I think it's the best way for, for us to absorb information. Uh, when, when we are seeing and hearing and, and being inside of something, um, I think that that, that gives us the best opportunity to connect. And, and so whatever you're trying to accomplish with your audience, you're, it's just that much easier to do it when they're allowed to play inside of that world. Uh, it's, it, it really, um, you can't tune it out as an audience member. You're not going to fall asleep when you go to a, to see an immersive piece. You can't, where <laughs> are you going to fall asleep? You know, it's like, you know, but it is, it, it's, you know, lights go down and the theater gets warm or, you know, it, it's dark. It, like it, you, you know, people do fall asleep at the theater. <laughs> you can't do that when you're, when you're inside of something and it just wouldn't happen. Right. But, but all your senses, you know, it's, it's, it's being able to activate all of your senses instead of just sight and sound, you're able to activate everything else where, um, if you don't allow for play, you're, you're a little handicapped in a way. You know, you, you can't, you, you, you aren't allowed to use all of your senses and, um, I don't know, just, I think puts you at a disadvantage. Um, or I shouldn't say that cause that makes it sound negative and I don't want to, I, I certainly don't have any negative feelings about any kind of theater. So I, I don't mean to be negative. Um, so maybe those aren't the right words, but for me, for me, I think it's easier to connect to an audience when they can play with us and when we can play with them. Um, yeah. It's just, it, I just think it's that much easier to get our messages across. Yeah, without a doubt. And I could say certainly um, in, in the best possible way, I was definitely squirming a little bit through the course of Southern Gothic, just like <laughs> being like, I'm invisible and the tension in this room is palpable. <laughs> uh, all right. So I think we are coming up towards the end of our chat here, unfortunately. Um, so maybe to cap things off, could you uh, tell people where they can find you both online and in the real world, so to speak? Absolutely. <laughs> uh, WindyCityPlayhouse.com is our website. And so you can find out about um, all of our shows. We have two shows running right now. So we've got Southern Gothic and Recommendation. And we are opening a third show in September. So um, lots to see. We always have something going on. Um, we are we have two locations. So we're located at 3014 West Irving Park Road in Chicago. And we're also located at 
2229 South Michigan Avenue in Chicago. And our box office number is 773-891-8985. But the easiest way to learn everything about us or a lot more about us is by going to our, our website. So windycityplayhouse.com. And we try... Um, to on Wednesdays and Thursdays, we have actors do um, very intimate uh, chats with audience members so they can really get inside inside scoops. And uh, we always have staff members around lots of staff members around the, the theaters to um, to engage with audiences as much as possible before and after the show and to talk, um, you know, as much as we can with people who want to know more. So we're we're always eager to uh, to talk to people and and um, engage so That's, we're definitely very audience focused. We're all about the audience experience. That's wonderful. Every opportunity to to share the incredible stuff that is inside of the world of immersion. Yeah, um, absolutely. Well, awesome. Um, and of course, if you're in the area, go check out the shows. It you will not be disappointed. I promise you. Um, so. I think that about does it for the moment, unless there's anything else that um, you feel like you would like to say or has yet to be shared, what have you. Um, yeah, is there is yeah, there anything that you would like to put out there um, for the audience that we have not touched on? No, just that we want everyone to, to come see it and, you know, tell us what they like and what what makes people tick and, and so that we can keep creating stuff to excite people. Wonderful, wonderful. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show and also for um, championing, championing immersive theater in the Midwest here. Um, we do not have nearly enough of it as of yet. So that is incredibly exciting. Thank you. Thanks so much. I'm so glad you created this podcast. It's really it's really great for all of us. So thank you. Of course, of course. And of course, to all of our listeners, you can find all of the show notes and links to everything that has been mentioned at immersionnation.com slash podcast. And until next time, thanks for listening. Calling all immersive adventurers, explorers, connoisseurs, and artists. The immersive revolution is just beginning. All that is to say... We would love any feedback that you might have on the show. What do you want to hear more of, less of? Anyone in particular you'd like us to have on the show? I would love to hear your thoughts. So please rate us, review us, or just drop us a line on the website at ImmersionNation.com. I always love having conversations about this wide and wild world that we are both living in and creating. Once again, this is the Immersion Nation podcast. Thank you for joining us in this adventure.